Hello and welcome to Renewing Your Mind, a web-based ministry of South Bay Community Church located in Fremont, California. It is our prayer that today's broadcast will be a blessing to you. Let us prepare our hearts to hear the word of the Lord. It's impossible for one sermon or one discussion to get all of this out. Um, There's so many layers. There's so many different experiences. um, So much hurt and frustration. And so, again, as I was thinking about this message Uh, We have a call that we do every couple of weeks that we call Kingdom Builder Calls that I would invite all of you to to join us. It's where uh, we spend a few moments um, trying to share what we think God is doing, trying to sharpen one another, and trying to see how God would use South Bay to be part of the solution for his kingdom plan. And and on that call, Pastor Tracy on Wednesday said, uh, something along the lines of, you know, we, we can't forget that God has not lost sight of us. And I believe she made the comment and pointed out, did any of us catch the connection that all of this stuff is surfacing? All of these issues are being raised and getting spotlights and and focus and attention right in the middle of the season that we call Advent, which is the people of God preparing our hearts for the coming of the Savior. Do we think it's a coincidence or might God be trying to catch the attention of his people to be part of his movement? As angry and upset and fed up as we are with injustice, I hope we know that God is more angry and more upset and more frustrated and thankfully more capable of responding to the issue than we are on our own. I want to give you a scripture and then I want to show you a clip that I think is Critical to this. Isaiah 52 and 7 says, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, Your God reigns. Beautiful are the feet of those who bring peace. I don't want to diminish or deny any of the comments and any of the positions that that anybody has shared. I actually agree with all of that. But I have to remind us that it is not by our might or our strength that any systems of this world come crumbling down. Martin Luther King, the Black Panther Party, whatever groups and organizations that we think of as effective, I believe are merely instruments in the hand of a sovereign God 
who is moving by his timing to knock down the systems of the enemy that he may bring a broken and hurting world back to himself. Sometimes we give ourselves too much credit. Even Dr. King said, it is the power of Christian love from the spirit of God that initiated and propelled the entire movement. He never thought it was his eloquent speech. I think we have to become peacemakers. I think we have to become people of peace because that is our calling as followers of God. And we have to stop thinking, by the way, that we are caught in some unusual circumstance. Look in your Bible. God always puts his people in the middle of painful and harmful and destructive and oppressive systems that he may get the glory when that system is brought down. We are merely instruments in this master plan of God. And we can put too much focus on our circumstances, on our race, on our culture, on our economics, on our thing, and forget that it is ultimately the moving hand of God that we need to keep our focus on. But I do want to bring out one thing. I think it's crucial that we not only understand the word of God and understand our role as uh, peacemakers, but that we learn how to pass that message on to our children. We have to inform our, it was wonderful to see those young people at Logan High School last week um, protesting and organizing and speaking out. But really, I've been talking to a lot of teenagers. And if I'm generous, maybe half are plugged into what's going on. And let's be honest, we live in a suburban area. We're not in Oakland. We're not in Richmond. We're not in the heart of the matter. Even though we have cultural connections, honestly, most of us are not facing those same conditions that those that are facing this issue with the police every single day are running into. We can remove ourselves if we really wanted to. Truth is told, most of us, some of us, live in neighborhoods that the police are trying to keep those people out of. So what's our responsibility? How do we understand peace? I read this week an excerpt, some excerpts from the book from Dr. King um, that was called A Stride Towards Freedom. It was the book that he had written to talk about the Montgomery, the Montgomery um, March. And there was many things that he said in there, but I wanted to give you a response to how do we respond in this turbulent time? Our natural instincts. I go go on the blogs every now and then and just to try to hear what people are talking about and what they're saying. And, and, And I believe Brother Henry was the one who said it, that you have people that are so far removed from the situation and the circumstances that they just have no idea what people are upset about. I met with a group of pastors uh, last week. We pray uh, each week, and so there's about 
20 or 15 of us that, that gather on a regular basis, pastors in this area, and God had been putting on my heart uh, this issue and the uh, systemic injustice and, 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 and how we and I should be responding to this. And so I'm there and I'm praying and they can sense that something is heavy on my heart. So they ask me, what is it? And I start talking about this Ferguson and the Eric Gardner and the 12 year old boy that got shot. Not the specifics of a case, but, but the, the, the pattern, we got to connect some dots and see that there are systems of injustice and systems where there's a lack of accountability. Something's wrong in this process. And I was talking to them about this, and, and they were very sincerely um, trying to be supportive. But they have no idea what I'm talking about. And I thought, well, what do I do? Do I get up and stomp out of this room and tell them I'm tired of praying with you because you don't know what's going on. I'm sick of talking to you and y'all just confused and saying stupid stuff. And and then I thought, maybe God has me here to speak to other men and women of God. And I've known these men and women for years. They are good people. They love God. They're trying to be faithful. They just don't know. And maybe God has me here to give them a perspective of injustice and peace and God's kingdom reconciliation that would broaden their view and have a ripple effect into hundreds and thousands of believers in this area that we might affect some change in our community. Maybe that's my role as a peacemaker because God is more concerned about this issue than I am. So I don't think we're supposed to sit on the sidelines. I want to talk for just a second about how we respond. And and, and I and I I heard the the comments and, and I know that there is validity, that there is more than one factor that. It contributed to the victories and the, uh, the um, changes that happened in the country. I actually believe that there is a balance between both. I think there has to be some visible, with, without people's anger and frustration and the protest, the spotlight would not be on the issue the way it is right now. Without, without some uh, assertive um, resistance to the systems of oppression, nothing will ever change. I absolutely do not argue that point at all. But I have to caution us as people of God. How do we channel our frustration and our disappointment? And where does violence fit into that equation? Let me give you the words of Dr. King. He said, violence as a way of achieving racial justice is both impractical and immoral. It is impractical because it is a descending spiral ending in destruction for all. The old law of an eye for an eye, which by the way, Jesus added a little something to that one. An eye for an eye leaves everybody blind.
When we walk around lashing out and letting our carnal, uh, aggressive nature have way, does that build the bridges of kingdom righteousness that God has called us to? Or are we serving our flesh? Dr. King would say that violence doesn't really achieve much. All it does is beget more violence. And we end up in this spiraling effect where we are just getting better and better at destroying and oppressing one another. Which gets to a second point. He says violence is immoral because it seeks to humiliate the opponent rather than win his understanding. It seeks to annihilate rather than to convert. Violence is immoral because it thrives on hatred rather than love. It destroys community and makes brotherhood impossible. It leaves society in monologue rather than dialogue. Violence ends by defeating itself. Here's my favorite part. It creates bitterness in the survivors and brutality in the destroyers. I find myself becoming a vessel of the enemy when I allow my carnal rage to drive my actions. I become the very thing I'm trying to get rid of. And I realize that there is so much pent up frustration. That it seems like when we don't let the the carnal side of our nature lash out, it seems like we're somehow compromising or sacrificing or being a pacifist. But that is not the message of the king. He never called us to sit back and take beatings. But here's the difficult news. God has a challenge for his people to reap justice the way he desires it. And just like everything else in the Bible, most of God's ways are not our ways. Most of his thoughts would not be our thoughts or our reactions. And so the reality that as we're caught in this turbulent time, as we're caught in dealing with these issues of oppression and injustice that we just get fed up with, how do we respond in a way that first and foremost demonstrates that I am a child of a holy and righteous and gracious and merciful and loving God, not a child of the devil? And I'm trying to make it plain. I'm trying to make it pointed because the reality is with every thought and with every action, either we are glorifying God or we are turning away from God. So what does that mean? What what does kingdom peace look like? If we're supposed to be uh, vessels of peace, if we're supposed to be uh, demonstrating and preparing people for this coming king, what does that look like? I want to give you a couple of things, if you'll give me the next slide, what, what, what peace does not look like. The first thing is that peace is not abdication of responsibility. It's not wiping our hands of the issue. It's not saying, well, that's those people's problem. It doesn't quite affect my household or my circumstances. And honestly, that would be easy for many of us to do. Why do we care? 
Most people that care about the issue care because it has touched your life or your family or a relative or a friend or somebody that you know or somebody that looks like somebody that it's been happening to. And that's exactly what peace is. See, peace is never won by fear and domination, making somebody do what you want them to do. There, there, there is this connection to reconciliation and peace. There is the desire not to just beat you down, but to make you my brother, to make you my sister, to win your heart over to a way that our hearts are aligned. That's the hard work of the gospel. And if you think it's hard for you, ask Jesus how easy it was for him. He did exactly what he is calling us to do. He went before his enemy and he stood in the face of terror and scorn and shame. And he didn't back down, but he did not call legions of angels to destroy his enemy, though he said, I can do it anytime I want to. He chose the way of love and the way of peace. He didn't resign himself to the fact that nothing was ever going to get better. He knew that he was a vessel of God manifesting the kingdom. And matter of fact, that's, that, that's the thing I want to call us back to. Do you think God is aware of what's happening in America? Did God fall asleep or take a night off? Of course he didn't. He's in the midst working with this, healing broken hearts. And along the way, it's difficult. But you know what? It was difficult for the Israelites in Egypt. It's always been difficult for the people of God to remain faithful because violence gives us a temporary fix. We feel better. We lash out. We push back the enemy. But ultimately, it leads us into cycles of mutual destruction. But that is not the way of peace. That's not the way of our God. And if you don't like what I'm saying, just read your Bible. I'm not making this up. The question is, are we going to take our thoughts and our will and align it with the word and the will of God and trust that God is capable to do the things that we are unable to do and don't understand how he's going to do them? It's not a pacifist position not to destroy and lash out and hurt others. That, that's, the, that's the oxymoron of the kingdom. It seems like when we don't let our uh, emotions uh, get, get, get ahead of us and don't follow those things that we feel like doing based on our hurt and our brokenness, that we're just laying back and taking it. But, but I want you to understand, and, and I don't have time to unpack it all right now, but I want you to understand that, that the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7, is the crux of understanding how Jesus is calling us to, to, to stand in opposition to the unjust systems in this world and trust that through our faithfulness, his spirit will win a victory. And it's all that stuff that we don't really like. Turn the other cheek. Go the extra mile. Give them your cloak. Love those who hate you. And the question is, are we going to do it our way or God's way? 
And are we going to teach our children to do the same? I don't want my son to get killed. I don't think that the system is just. But I want my son to be a godly man. I want my son to have the word of God and the spirit of God and trust that more than my good advice, the spirit of God can protect him and keep him safe. And if he's running around acting outside of the will of God, how can I then show up and say, God, please keep your hand around him? Next slide, please. I'm, I'm late, so I'm going to have to speed this up. Um, I want us to understand something. We talk about this kingdom of God. And I want us to understand that Jesus said, the kingdom of God is here. I'm here. The kingdom of God is here. And I'm continuing to bring it into fulfillment. And one day he will come and there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And it will be the reign of God everywhere. But until that day, we're not just on hold waiting for the kingdom of God to show up. It's already here and manifesting itself. See, the kingdom of God is not a location. It's a proclamation. Anywhere where the people of God allow the word of God to manifest the character of God is a place where the kingdom of God is. In the midst of chaotic and and, and crazy scenes, I can be a manifestation of the kingdom of God. And actually, that's what God called me to be. I can be a demonstration of the power of the kingdom. Protest. I think protest is great. I think protest is necessary. I think Jesus was one of the best protesters we've ever seen. I think he stood up to injustice and systems that were against the poor and the marginalized and the sick and the crippled. And he stood up to power, but I don't think he shot anybody. I believe he told Peter, you probably don't need all those weapons you got. I think he trusted in the spirit of God and that God was moving and that the protest is when we stand in front of our enemy, when we stand in front of the oppressor, not cowering back, but standing there and we surprise them with the manifestation of the glory of God. And, and I wish I had time to unpack this. We're, we'll have to spend some other time later, but please go to the Sermon on the Mount and look at what Jesus says. Look at how he says to respond to your enemy, to respond to those who are abusing you, to respond to those who don't respect you. Look at what he did and see if that's some kind of passive, sheepish, scare tactic. It takes boldness to be a person of God. It takes power and strength to be a person of God. It's easy to go beat up on somebody. It's easy to let my anger fuel my reactions and I'm going out in the mob mentality that I'm trying to get people to not stop treating me that way. That's easy to do. Stand boldly before your oppressor and pour burning coals on their head with love and see how easy that is. 
But what we're after is not just a change in behavior, but a change in heart. See, I, I think some of us think or people can think that we can we can um, scare people into treating us better. If I beat you up bad enough, you're going to leave me alone. What that probably means is you're going to go get four of your cousins and all y'all coming back. And that's that cycle that we get into. Do we think we can beat up the police department enough to make them treat us better? Or are we trying to change the hearts and consciences and minds of those who view us as irrelevant, not worthy of respect, dangerous? Where's the true victory? Which one gives more glory to God? An affirmation that no matter what our circumstances are, we trust our God. And we think we're so unique. We think we're the first one facing hard times. Go tell, uh, go tell those three boys heading into the furnace that God is uh, asleep on the job. Go tell generations of those who saw the power of God and saw him give them victory when they were outnumbered and there was no chance from a human perspective that they should even be alive. Is God trying to stir us up in this season of Advent when our hearts and minds are hopefully a little more open to the movement of his spirit that we may respond in a way that brings him glory? And if the people of God in the body of Christ can't do it, how do we expect to infect or effect any place in this world? Next slide. Go ahead, all the way through it. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, and who say to Zion, your God reigns. Do we believe God still reigns? And please, I'm not, I'm not trying to minimize the reality of the hurt and the injustice and the suffering. I'm not trying to minimize that at all. Please, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that we respond as people of God or we don't. We live by the convictions of the word of God or we put it on the shelf and go out and do what we want to do and then come back and sing a song on Sunday. We fight with weapons of this world or we fight with weapons of the spirit. And I believe the weapons of the spirit are better than the ones that we have. And that's where the victory is. I think God, I absolutely believe with what Sister Nita said, I think God is stirring up a change in this country. I think he has seen, I think he has seen the affliction and the lack of accountability and the um, reckless disregard that some people have treated minorities in this country. I think it, that he has seen that, that there is inherent um, 
differentiation and different treatment of different groups within the system. And I think God is beginning to pull together the critical mass to deconstruct that system and make this world, this country more just than it was. And I think that's been his plan for a long time. And I pray that we walk in step with what God is doing. I pray that we don't run ahead of him and by our own wisdom and strength try to accomplish a victory that only the spirit of God can manage. I, um, I know that there is much more dialogue that we need to have. I want to give you four thoughts and I know I'm way over time, but I want to give us four tangible ways that we can be peacemakers in this model that I'm talking about. One is I think as the people of God, we have to see and engage systems of injustice. We, we can't ignore the fact that they are there. And we can't ignore the fact that just because it doesn't affect us directly, that it's not worth dealing with. That, that famous quote from uh, Dr. King, uh, injustice anywhere is an affront to justice, is a threat to justice everywhere. That's so true. And we have to be mindful. And as I was talking to my pastor friends and other people that are in a different uh, social context, I'm urging them to see, you know what? There is this cry from a group of people that are different from you and, and don't have the same resources that you do. And they're saying there's an injustice here. Before we start judging them, can we take long enough to listen to them and hear what their issues are? And see if there isn't something that we should care about. The Bible tells us that we are to weep with each other and rejoice with each other. Your victories are my victories. Your hurts are my hurts. We are the body of Christ. Our lives are interwoven together. And we can't just look and say, wow, that's not my problem. The government or some other group will take care of that. The people of God have to be on the forefront of attacking systems of injustice. Now, I want to talk for just a second, taking that down one level, um, to the responsibility, I feel, of African-American believers. I know it's tiring. I was resonating with my brother Tommy's comments about being the only one and feeling like you have to represent everything and you have to validate all their fears and you have to make sure that they understand that uh, the, the culture is worthy. I know the burden of that. Believe me, I know the burden of that. But particularly in the body of Christ, we can't get tired of having those conversations. We can't get tired of helping our brothers and sisters who are just removed from systems of injustice that's never infected or affected their families. It's never been on their radar screen. We have to be the vessels of this message of peace and justice to help the people of God see something broader than they see on their own. That's our, that's our calling. I think that's our burden. I think that might be why God has us in this country. But we get so used to just circling and getting tired of talking to those folks 
and we just want to get with ourselves and have our own little parties where we can say what we think and how we feel and how they are. And I think God is trying to use us to do something bigger than our own cultural bubble would allow. And by the way, can I also raise this issue? I think we have to be very mindful that we aren't the only people that deal with injustice. And when we get frustrated that other people aren't rising up and other people don't seem to have enough concern about the issues in our community, I wonder how many rallies have African-Americans gone to on immigration? How many times have we stood in protest with our Hindu or Arab folks in the community that are dealing with profiling and injustice and all this other stuff? How many times the black community should have the clearest picture of what systemic injustice looks like of any group in the country? We should be on the forefront. But so many times we're so concerned about our issues, but we don't see that if we could show that we have a concern for injustice issues across the board, somebody might care about our issues as well. And even if they don't, we do it because God compels us to care about it. As the church, I think we have to be on the forefront of raising this conversation. We need to continue these discussions. We need to continue to talk and think through it and and reason together. And we need to have a voice in this community. I've been so blessed. In the last week, I've received two phone calls um, of of particular importance, one from the chief of police of Fremont, one from the chief of police in Union City. And I think that's amazing, first of all. And I have to say, that so far in my interactions with those two men specifically, I've seen a willingness for discussion, for dialogue, for accountability, for conversation. And to me, that's a blessing because I realize a lot of people are not in that circumstance. But I think God is opening doors for us. I think God is putting us in a position of influence to have a voice for a a community that may feel marginalized and oppressed. And I think we need to understand how we can leverage this opportunity that God has given us in a way that gives glory to him and presses the agenda of righteousness and justice that he cares about. So we're looking at doing, as an example, an event on Dr. King weekend to try to bring together some folks from the community across ages, across different demographics uh, to address these issues and concerns. And I believe we will have a hearing voice. I think God has given us an opportunity to be an Esther in this community. And I pray that we don't get so busy with our own agendas and our own to-dos that we can't see that God is using us to be a world changer at this time in this community. And finally, my last one is for a personal thing. What do we do? I think we have to have relationships. If you're in a place where you don't really have that much connection or understanding of what the people who say that the police are unjust or there's no real justice in the criminal justice system, system for minorities, if you don't really understand what that is, I would encourage you to start having conversations with those that are part of that process. 
and open our hearts and minds to hear from a context that's different than ours. Truth be told, we live in the suburbs again. We can pretty much avoid it for the most part if we want to. The closest most of us have been to a protest is the evening news. Just keeping it real. We don't have to deal with it. But open ourselves up to walk in somebody else's shoes. To see what their experience is like. To hear from their mouth the, 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 the stories that they have and the systems that they've been oppressed by. And see if God doesn't begin to give us a heart for how we could respond. And if we're already there, if we've got a, a, a view of that, if we've got an understanding of that, then I would encourage us to build relationships with brothers and sisters and people in the community who don't get it. Help them understand. Give them a perspective. Help them see that there is a fundamental problem that somebody is being taken advantage of or marginalized and that, and that we care about that, not for our own advantage, but for theirs. Peace, the way that God talks about this shalom thing, is talking about I'm willing to sacrifice some of mine for the benefit of the community. There is a social justice message. Every time we hear that word peace, shalom, it means the upliftment of the entire community, that there is no one who is uh, pushed aside or pressed down. And that should be the burden on the heart of everyone who calls himself a child of God. And I pray that we do it in a way that brings glory to God. I pray that he looks down on us in whatever way we decide to have our engagement in protest. I think we should all be protesting. Some of us are going to be on the streets. Some of us are going to be talking to lawyers. Some of us are going to be helping write new legislation. Some of us are going to be counseling and encouraging the victims. Whatever way that we protest, we can't just stand on the sideline and allow painful, unjust systems to perpetuate. The church and the people of God must stand up and say, enough. Because our God compels us to. And when we are faithful to his calling, we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. Preparing the hearts and minds for the coming of the Lord. And he will be glorified and praised by our faithfulness. Amen. 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 Thank you for joining us for this installment of Renewing Your Mind, a web-based ministry of South Bay Community Church, located at 47385 Warm Springs Boulevard, Fremont, California. We can be found on the web at www.sobcc.org. We'd like to take a moment to invite you to come and join us in person for one of our dynamic Sunday morning worship services. Services begin at 8 a.m., and 10.30 a.m. each Sunday, and we would be so blessed to have you come worship with us. We'd also love to hear from you a word about how this ministry is helping you renew your mind for the glory of Jesus Christ. So please contact us, and we pray God's blessings over you the rest of this day. God bless.